You are listening to the Impact Church Podcast. To learn more about Impact Church, visit us online at impactharlem.org. You can also check us out on social media. Amen. Man, I'm, I'm excited today to start a brand new series called The Next Initiative. And really what this is, is this is a three-year journey that we are about to take together as a faith family. This is a, a three-year journey of, of discipleship, a three-year journey of, of spiritual unity, a three-year journey of doing whatever it is God is calling us to do next. Right? As a church, we have a next step to take, but also as individuals, you have a next step to take. And I am just so excited about the vision that God has given us as a leadership team here at Impact Church. And, and I have the privilege of just sharing that vision with you. And man, I'm excited about doing that. And I want you guys to get excited. I don't know if you've ever met people that can't really see past their current circumstance. Like whatever, wherever they are, that, that's just what they see. That's their vision is the, the present. Anybody know anybody like that? All right. And then there are some people that can see past that present circumstance, and they, we would say they have vision for the future. And I heard a story about a, an older guy, and he, his family didn't want to have to do this, but they had to put him in a nursing home. His mind was still really sharp, but his body was, was failing, so they had to get him help all the time. So they, they put him in a nursing home, and he actually joined the chess team. Now, I didn't know they had chess teams at nursing homes, but... Praise God for that. So he joined the chess team, and one day a, a nursing home from across town, their chess team came to this nursing home to, to do a little tournament. So this old guy is, is there playing chess, and he notices that there's this older lady that came from this other nursing home that's just staring directly at him. And at first he just kind of puts it out of his mind because he's trying to focus chess. I don't know if you've ever played chess. I used to play chess with my dad when he worked out of town, and he would beat me every single time. I think he cheated, but I, we, won't, we won't go there. But man, this, this lady's just staring at him, and she won't stop. And he, and he notices that, and he sees that. And it, eventually he says, but well, I'll, I'll take care of this. I'll put it into it. So he gets up from his chess game, and he walks over to this lady, and he says, hey, I can't help but notice that you keep staring at me. Is there a problem? And she says, I'm so, so sorry, but you look exactly like my third husband. And he says, well, how many times have you been married? And she says, two. So she, she had vision for the future, right? She's looking at him and saying, hey, that's, that's the next one. That's him. And what this series is about, man, this series, this initiative is about the vision that God has given us as a church. It's about the next thing that God has called us to do. But before we even talk about next steps, before we talk about the, the next soul, the next generation, the next level of generosity, before we talk about any of that, we have to admit and recognize that there is no next without Jesus. There is no next without Him. I need your help with this, but it, it's, it's all about Him. It always has been, and it always will be. It is all about 
Jesus. Joshua chapter 1 says this in verse 1. After the death of Moses, the servant of the Lord, the Lord said to Joshua, the son of Nun, Moses' assistant, Moses, my servant, is dead. Now therefore arise, go over this Jordan, you and all this people into the land that I am giving to them, to the people of Israel. Here's the context here. Moses has been leading the people. He's been leading them for years and years and years. And then he dies and God says, hey, Joshua, Moses is dead. It's your turn. It is your turn to lead. And what I want you to know is that this is God's story. It's always going to be his story, but it is our turn in the story. It is our turn to do what God has called us to do as a church. And we are going to point everything to him. Man, and this is my prayer for you. My prayer for each person in this room, my prayer for anyone that calls Impact Church home is that over these next three years, you will take whatever the next step of faith God has for you. That you would be encouraged to take that step and that you would be equipped to take that step. My prayer is that Impact Church will take its next step of faith, whatever that looks like. And part of this initiative is that we are going to go to the next level with abundant generosity. And over these next three years, we are believing that God is going to provide us the resources to take our next step. And and our goal for these next three years is to raise $300,000 so that we're able to take our next step of faith. And I don't want you to think that this is all about raising money. While that is one of the goals, man, my prayer for us is that we will begin to to sell out to God because he has given everything to us. My heart is that we would all begin to grow as, as followers of Jesus and discipleship would be taking place. And people in this community would look at Impact Church and say, what is happening there and we could say that God is moving and we could point people to the person and the work of Jesus. We're going to be in Acts chapter 4 this morning and we're going to see we're going to see Peter and John. We're going to focus on Peter a little bit because I like Peter because he was just a loudmouth. And that's just who, that's just who he was. He 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 never shied away from talking. He didn't always say the right thing. But he didn't ever shy away from answering a question or even talking before he was asked a question. And that just kind of reminds me of myself a little bit that I don't mind talking and I don't mind answering questions, even if I'm wrong. Verse one, chapter four says, and as they and this is Peter and John, as they were speaking to the people, the priests and the captain of the temple and the Sadducees came upon them greatly annoyed because they were teaching the people and proclaiming in Jesus the resurrection from the dead. There's two reasons here that I think that they were greatly annoyed. So one is the Sadducees didn't even believe in the resurrection of Jesus. That's why they were sad, you see. And that is, that is really dumb, but you will remember that for the rest of your life. And when you're doing some Bible trivia, you'll be like, oh, I know why the Sadducees were annoyed. They didn't believe in the resurrection. So you can thank me when that time comes. If you win a free dinner, remember me. I also think that they were annoyed because every time the gospel is preached, 
and lives are changed, religious people get annoyed. I want to say that again. Every time that the gospel is preached and lives are changed, religious people, they get annoyed with that. And here's why. Because life change is messy. Because life change isn't tidy and it isn't always efficient and sometimes it's a long process and sometimes there's people that walk in to the room and religious people, they don't want them in the room. But the gospel isn't just something that, that looks really pretty. The gospel is something that changes lives and it's for all people. And religious people, man, they get annoyed with that. And honestly... This next initiative, it's going to root out some religious people. Over these next three years, there may be some, some religious people that show up here and they want us to do things a certain way and they want this to be a certain way. And, and I'm just here to tell you, if that's you, this probably ain't the place for you. Because we allow the, the Spirit, we allow the, the Gospel to do what it does. And man, the Gospel is messy because changed lives are messy because humans are messy. There's no perfect people coming in this room. There's no perfect people that, we, that we're going to ever talk to. We're all imperfect people taking steps of faith together. We're all imperfect people engaging the perfect God. And if you're not part of the imperfect, then again, we love you, but you're probably not going to fit in here because we are a group of imperfect people. Verse 3 says, And they arrested them and put them in custody until the next day, for it was already evening. But many of those who had heard the word believed, and the number of men came to about 5,000. Here's the deal. The early church is booming. People are coming to know Jesus. And you know why? Because the gospel works. That's why. Because Peter had one message. That's it. And he, he put it on repeat, and it makes me feel better because I pretty much only have one message, and I just say it over and over. The gospel works. Man, I hope you believe that. I hope you believe that the gospel works. On the next day, their rulers and elders and scribes gathered together in Jerusalem with Annas the high priest and Caiaphas and John and Alexander and all who were of the high priestly family. And when they had set them in the midst and inquired, by what power or by what name did you do this? Then Peter, filled with the Holy Spirit, said to them, rulers of the people and elders, if we are being examined today concerning a good deed done to a crippled man, by what means this man has been healed? Let's stop right there because I want you to understand why they're on trial. This is what's happening. There's, there's these religious leaders, these people in a circle, and John and Peter are in the middle. And they're asking, hey, so by what power, by what name did you do this? And Peter knows what he's talking about. But just in case you guys don't know what he's talking about, if you go back to chapter 3, we see the story that took, that took place, the, the account of this miracle. And it says this in Acts 3, verse 1. Now Peter and John were going to the temple at the hour of prayer, the ninth hour. I want you to understand that in the first church, they bathed everything in prayer. And sometimes I, I begin to think, in our generation, do we still really bathe everything in prayer? 
is everything we do as a church and everything we do as a family and everything we do as a person, do we, do we go before the throne room of grace? Do we take it all to Him? Or do we think, man, I got this. I don't really need, I don't really need the help. I don't really need the wisdom. I don't really need the answers because I already know all the answers. What is your mindset when it comes to prayer? Verse 2, and a man lame from birth was being carried, whom they laid daily at the gate of the temple that is called the beautiful gate, to ask alms of those entering the temple. Seeing Peter and John about to go into the temple, he asked to receive alms. That's pretty smart. You got some, some spiritual people about to go to church and you need money. So they're asking, hey, spiritual people, can you give me some money? That's what's happening. And Peter directed his gaze at him, as did John, and said, look at us. And this is like your dad saying, hey, look at me. Look at us. And he says this. And he fixed his attention on them, expecting to receive something from them. But Peter said, I have no silver and gold, but what I do have, I give to you. The reason Peter had no silver and gold is because he's a preacher. And that's just what happens. Like preachers don't have a lot of money. So what, what is this guy thinking in this moment? So he's asking for money. He's asking for them to, to give him something. But he's being very specific with his ask. He wants money. He, he's, he's been like this for a long, long time, and he knows where to sit, and he knows who's going to give money, and he's asking these two guys. And he's saying, hey, man, I don't have any of that, but what I do have, I'll give you. And I can just imagine this guy thinking, well, I don't, I don't want whatever else you have. Like, I want some money. Like, that's why I'm asking for some money. Did you know that oftentimes, oftentimes we ask for things that we really don't need? Is that we, we think we may need it? Like, Garth Brooks is an amazing theologian, I think, because sometimes some of God's greatest gifts are unanswered prayers. Garth Brooks isn't really a theologian. Y'all don't post that on Facebook or anything. But man, this is, this is one of the reasons that I think you should always go like to your 20 or 25th year reunion from high school so that you could see the unanswered prayers that God had. What if you would have got the prayers you were praying when you were 16? Have you seen him now, like 20 years later? That's why they do name tags at these things, because you're like, who is that? Oh, man, wow. Man, sometimes... Sometimes, oftentimes, if we're going to be honest and transparent, oftentimes we ask for things that we don't really need. But in God's love and grace toward us, He knows that we don't need it. And He is very clear in Scripture that He provides everything we need for life and godliness. So this guy's asking for something. He, he needs healing, but he's asking for help. And some of us, we come to church on Sunday and we come to be entertained, but what we really need is to, to experience an encounter with the Holy Spirit. Some of you, if you're single in here, you're, you're, you're praying for a boyfriend or a girlfriend, and what you really need is an intimate relationship with Jesus. Now, we always, always, always think we know what's best for us. Let me tell you what, I don't know what's best for me. My wife knows better than I know what's best for me. And God knows way more than that. Do you believe that? Do you believe that? 
this morning. And then Peter says this, in the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, rise up and walk. This is, this is the boldness. Notice what Peter doesn't do. Peter doesn't say, oh man, you need some help. I'm about to go pray, so I'll put you on the prayer list. And when I get in there, we'll pray for you. Peter doesn't say that. No, he speaks out loud and he says, hey, get up and walk. Do you pray that kind of prayer? Do you pray that kind of bold prayer, believing that the Spirit, believing that God is going to move and do what only He can do? Because I tell you, just to be honest with you, my tendency would be, man, either I'm going to give you a little change so you stop asking me and then I'm going in here to pray, or I'll say, hey man, I don't really have that for you, but I will go in here and pray for you. No, Peter, filled with the Spirit of God, says, hey, get up and walk. Man, are your prayers that bold? Think about if we had a church full of those type of prayers. How God could work and move through this mission to make a kingdom impact in this community and beyond. You ever seen those dudes praying on TV? Look, I'm not talking bad about anybody. I just want to share something that I saw. Maybe you've seen this video. But man, some of these, these people, man, they, they start like getting into it, right? And I saw this video, this pastor, maybe you've seen it, he's taking off his jacket, his coat jacket, and somehow the spirit like gets intertwined in his jacket. And he throws the jacket, and when he throws the jacket in the crowd, everybody falls, like, let the bodies hit the, you know, that's, that's what's happening here. And man, it is what it is, right? I'm not saying, that, that's just not been my experience with prayer, Okay? And man, I put everything I have into prayer. If you come down here during the response time and I pray for you, man, I'm giving you all the Jesus that I have to pray for. Man, I'm praying for healing and I'm praying for peace and I'm praying for strength in the name of Jesus. And man, I'm, I'm mustering up all I got. And then afterwards, you look at me like, thanks, man. See you next week. Like, that's what happens. But man, Peter, he's saying, hey, rise up. And walk in verse 7, he says this, and this is what amazes me. And he took him by the right hand and raised him up, and immediately his feet and ankles were made strong. Listen, when did the miracle actually take place? Because the Bible is pretty clear to me is that when he says rise up and walk, the miracle hadn't taken place yet. That he actually reached his hand out and pulled him up, and that's when the miracle took place. This is what I'm afraid of is that there's a lot of miracles still sitting on the sidewalk because we're too afraid to, to reach our hand down and pull somebody up. And I think even if we are bold enough to, to pray the prayer, a lot of times God is saying, hey, it's time for you to take that next step where you reach your hand out. How much faith do you really have? Peter reaches his hand out and he pulls him up. And I want to be a church full of people who are reaching their hand out. I want to be a church full of people not only boldly praying and believing, but believing to the point that we're taking action because we know God is going to do something miraculous. That's the kind of church I want to be. See, bold faith is behaving as if you believe it already. Bold faith is behaving as though you already believe it. 
If Peter didn't believe it, there's no way he would have reached his hand out and said, hey, come on, man, you're, you're healing, you're healing. You're, come on, get up. Now he had to believe it already. Now I tell you, during this next initiative, my prayer is that we lean in to the power of God. Is that we boldly pray is that we boldly reach out our hand. And if you lean into what God wants you to do over these next three years, this is what I can promise you, that there will be some times that are uncomfortable for you because God's going to call you to do something that you're not comfortable doing. And it's in those moments that you can walk in and put them on the prayer list or you can boldly speak out. It's in those moments that you can keep on walking or you can reach out your hand in faith and say, God, whatever you have for me, here I am. Now, which life do you want to live? It's your decision. What if, what if we were too afraid to launch Impact Church? And we're going to hear numbers over the next four weeks of, of what God's done in and through Impact Church and the numbers that, that we care about are the numbers we're going to hear. The, the people that have said yes to Jesus. The people that have recommitted their life to Jesus. The people who have taken their next step of faith. And you're going you're gonna to hear those numbers over these next four weeks. But what if we were too scared to start this church? And, and maybe some of you, maybe you're pretty new and you're like, well, it seems like things are going pretty well. Here's the thing, man. Things, things were pretty good before we launched. We had a really good, committed launch team. Everybody was ready and pumped up. And here's the truth. It ultimately came down to me saying yes or no. Ultimately, man, and I'm telling you, I was scared to death. Because there were other options, right, for me as a pastor. And, and starting this church had the most uncertainty of any of those other options. And I wasn't scared about it not working my fear was, what if this really is what God is doing? What if this is really the, the, the miracle and the mission that God has in store? That's what scared me. Because I know that when you're in the will of God and you say, hey God, whatever you want, here I am, there's going to be some things that happen that you're like, man, that maybe I don't really want to do this. Maybe this isn't really what I signed up for. Because it's not comfortable. If you're comfortable in your Christianity right now, I would challenge you to look and see if you're really chasing Jesus with everything that you are. I'm not talking about content. That's different. We should be content in who He is. I'm talking about comfortable in the mission that He's given you as an individual. Where are you? What next step do you have? Is he the one thing that drives everything in your life? If you feel scared, you're probably perfectly positioned to be used by God. 8, 9, and 10 say this. And leaping up, he stood and began to walk and entered the temple with them, walking and leaping and praising God. And all the people saw him walking and praising God and recognized him as the one who sat at the beautiful gate of the temple asking for alms. 
And they were filled with wonder and amazement at what had happened to him. This is why Peter and John are on trial, because of this. So if you jump back to chapter 4, verse 10, this is Peter still answering. He says, let it be known to all of you and to all the people of Israel that by the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, whom you crucified, whom God raised from the dead, by him this man is standing before you well. This Jesus is the stone that was rejected by you, the builders, which has become the cornerstone, and there is salvation in no one else, for there is no other name under heaven given among men by which we must be saved. This is Peter's message. This is Peter's response. This is what he always talks about. He talks about, hey, you crucified Jesus. You need to repent. He loves you. This is Peter's message. And from this, I find three things that I want for us as a church. May we always be a church that, number one is this, point people to Jesus. May we always be a church that points people to Jesus. See, it's not about us. It's only about the name of Jesus. This next initiative is not about Impact Church. It is about Jesus. It is about the one name. It's not about me. It's not about Impact. It's not about you. It is about Jesus. And what Peter is telling them here is, hey, you guys were, you knew the Scripture Jesus was, was right next to you, and you missed him. How do you miss Jesus? How do you miss Jesus? And in their, in their religion and in their tradition and all the stuff they had going on, they missed it. May we be a church that never misses Jesus. During this initiative, man, I pray that we don't miss Jesus. And then he's also saying here that we aren't saved by any other name. Religion doesn't save you. If you're a Baptist, it doesn't mean you're saved. If you're a Methodist, it doesn't mean you're saved. If you're a Presbyterian, you can keep going. It doesn't save you. Religion, it just it won't work. It might make you a better person morally. It will not save your soul. So we aren't saved in religion's name. We're not saved in our parents' name. Just because grandma went to church doesn't make you a Christian. Just because mama read you some, some Bible before you went to bed, man, it doesn't make you a Christian. We're not saved by our parents' name. And guess what? You're not saved by your name. There is no other name under heaven which to be saved but the name of Jesus. He is it. He is it, verse 13 says this, Now when they saw the boldness of Peter and John and perceived that they were uneducated common men, they were astonished. And they recognized they had been with Jesus. Point number two is this, may we, may we always have a boldness to share the gospel. May we be a church that always has a boldness to share the gospel. If we're not sharing the truth of the gospel, then what are we doing? It is our mission to share Jesus with people. It is our mission for people to know God's love in a real intimate way. But I want you to notice something. 
It says boldness, the boldness of Peter. I want you to think about Peter's life just for a minute. About six weeks before this, Peter is full of fear. About six weeks before this, Peter is denying that he knows Jesus at all. So what changed in six weeks? How does he go from full of fear to full of faith? He denies Jesus three times, and the, the third time, after the third time, he, he's weeping because he feels like a failure. Do you know why? Because he's a failure, just like all of us. And Jesus knew that, and that's why he came on a rescue mission for us. It's because he knew we couldn't do it. So after Jesus is, is crucified, he comes back, Peter's fishing, and Jesus is standing on the, on the shore. And he's just calling out to this group of fishermen that are professional fishermen. He's like, hey, y'all catching any fish? And they're like, no, we're not catching any fish. And Jesus is like, hey, try the other side. And I can just imagine, it's like, well, do you understand there's no sides? Like, it's just all one lake underneath this boat. So they throw it to the other side. They catch over 150 fish. And Peter is like, man, that smells like Jesus. And he just dives in, man, and he starts swimming to the shore. And he gets there, and Jesus is, is cooking some fish. And Jesus says, hey, Peter, let's have a talk. He says, hey, do you love me? Peter says, of course, man, you know I love you. And ask him a second time. He says, do you love me? He says, yes, you know I love you. And Peter's a little slow to, to get stuff. So Jesus asked him a third time. And then I think it probably dawns on Peter that, man, I denied Jesus three times. And now he's asking me three times, do I love him? And Peter, man, he, he's still so ashamed and he's still so, he's full of guilt and sadness because he denied the Savior of the world. And Jesus doesn't, Jesus doesn't punish him. What Jesus does is he offers him unmerited favor. He offers him grace. And I want you to know that no matter how much you sin, that his grace is bigger than that. I want you to know that no matter where you find yourself today, that his grace is bigger than that, that his grace is more than sufficient for you. And this is how he ends this conversation. Jesus says, follow me. He says, follow me. And what's interesting, if you go back to the beginning of the Gospels, the very first time that Jesus ever meets Peter is on this same shore. And the very first words that he ever says to Peter is, follow me. And now we have this after all the mistakes, after all the mess ups, after, after Peter is just going crazy. Peter, he falls asleep during prayer time. So if you have a tro trouble staying awake at church, you can make a great disciple. He doesn't always understand what's happening. Jesus is getting arrested in the garden and Peter's cutting people's ears off. And Jesus is like, no, bro, we're not doing that. He sticks the dude's ear back on. They still arrest him. Don't understand why they would do that, but that's just part of the plan. I guess. Peter is just jacked up. And I can imagine Jesus standing on the shore this second time saying, follow me. And Peter's like, you already told me that and I already messed it up. And Jesus said, yeah, but when I called you, I knew you were going to mess it up and I called you anyway. 
And I know you're still going to mess it up now, but I'm still calling you. So how was he full of boldness and faith? It's because he experienced the grace of Jesus. And when we experience the grace of Jesus, man, we go from full of fear to full of faith. And then here's the third point. May we always be a church that is recognized as being with Jesus. How can you be recognized as being with Jesus? Here's how. You got to be with Jesus. You got to spend some time with Jesus. You got to make coming to church a priority. You have to make quiet time at home a priority. You have to make praise and worship a priority. Spend time with Jesus. We're going to close with this. It says, but seeing the man who was healed standing beside them, they had nothing to say in opposition. Here's a dude that is healed standing there beside them, and they're like, yeah, we don't really have anything to say about that. But when they had commanded them to leave the council, they conferred with one another, saying, what shall we do with these men? For that a notable sign has been performed through them is evident to all the inhabitants of Jerusalem, and we cannot deny it. But in order that it may spread no further among the people, let us warn them to speak no more to anyone in this name. So there's, they're doing a little PC stuff here. Like, we know Jesus probably did this, but can you not speak about it? Because it's kind of making the, it's changing the world is what's happening. And we don't really like that. So they called them and charged them not to speak or teach at all in the name of Jesus. But Peter and John answered, whether it is right in the sight of God to listen to you rather than, than to God, you must judge. For we cannot but speak of what we have seen and heard. And what did they see and hear? This is what they saw and heard. They, they saw the life of Jesus. They saw Jesus crucified. They saw Jesus resurrected. They saw Jesus ascend back into heaven. And they saw the Holy Spirit fall. That's what they saw. And they are saying here that I don't really care what you say. I don't really care about the threats because we are so full of faith, because we've experienced and encountered the one true God, we will boldly speak the gospel. Are you boldly speaking the gospel? When you get a picture of the gospel, man, it changes everything in your life. It becomes the one thing that drives everything in your life. And is that true for you? Verse 21, And when they had further threatened them, they let them go, finding no way to punish them because of the people, for all were praising God for what had happened. See, Peter and John were never the point. It was all about Jesus. And I want you to know that Impact Church is not the point. It's all about Jesus. I want you to know that I'm not the point the, the worship team's not the point. The staff of this church, the elders, none of that is the point. The point is Jesus. And it always will be about Him. When the point becomes about anyone else but Jesus, we will shut the doors of this church because we're no longer a, a church for Him. We're a church for ourselves, and that is not what He has called us to do. When we get a vision of the one true God, we must respond with our one and only life. 
And maybe for some of you, you've never made the decision to follow Jesus. Maybe you grew up in church. Maybe you think you know about what it means to to be a, a Christ follower, but you've never truly made the decision to say yes to Jesus. I'm going to give you an opportunity to do that. I'm going to ask you these things over over these next four weeks. I want you to pray. I want you to pray for impact and pray for this next initiative. I want you to pray that God would reveal to every single person what it is He would have them to do, what their next step would look like. Would you ask God what your role is in this story? Ask God what your part is. I'm going to ask you to commit to being here for each week of this series. There's three more weeks after today. And then I'm I'm going to ask you to do this, to ask this question. What is the next thing for me? What is the next thing for me in order to lean in to Jesus? What is the next thing for you in order to lean in? Thank you for joining us at the Impact Church Podcast. For this and other messages, visit us online at impactharlem.org. In the meantime, you can subscribe to this podcast, rate and review it on iTunes, and share it with your friends on social media. Once again, thanks for joining us at the Impact Church Podcast.